Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. Hi, Saints. Today is Sunday, February the 27th, 2022. I know some of you are surprised because when I completed the last series entitled, Do You Know the Signs of the Second Coming of the Messiah? I said that I will take a week off and then return with a new episode, not a series, a new episode. However, the Holy Spirit has been ministering to me saying that I needed to do a sequel, if you will, to the previous series entitled, Do You Know the Signs of the Second Coming of the Messiah? But this sequel will be in reference to the importance of all believers, not just you and me, all believers, the the importance of us watching and uh, preparing for his second coming. Now, God knows everyone who listened and is still listening to the previous series. It's it this series was very important. I doubt if I am able to share another series as important as this last series. Because whether you believe it or not, whether you receive it or not, Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. That's his exalted name, Christ before Jesus. He is returning. All the signs are there. All the prophecies are being fulfilled right before our eyes. And I needed to share the importance because the Holy Spirit knows each and every individual who listened to the previous series. And he determined that I needed to do a sequel. And it, it won't be that long, maybe about 30 or 40 minutes, but I'm going to talk to you about um, some parables that Jesus shared with the disciples in reference to the importance of us, not just them, us as well, um, watching and preparing for his return. So um, sit back. And let's get this truth on the road. Now, before we get this truth on the road, let me make one correction. I misspoke in the last episode. Remember when we were talking about false messiahs being one of the signs uh, preceding the second coming of Christ. I mentioned David Caress and the Davidian compound in Waco, Texas. I said 1933, but I hope some of you caught it. It was not in 1933. It was back in 1993. I didn't know I said 1933 until I listened to the podcast myself. 
I just released the podcast after I recorded it and I had not listened to it. Sometimes I listen when I know or, or feel in my spirit that I may have misspoke. I'll listen and then I'll, I'll make the edification. But in any event, it was 1993. It was not 1933. Now, with that said, let's get this truth on the road, saints. If you can recall back in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 45, it was late at night in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed. He was overcome with, with heavy grief. His sweat fell to the ground as drops of blood. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me, but let your will be done, not my will, your will be done. Then Jesus stood up and returned to the disciples. Now, earlier, he commanded the disciples to keep watch. Sorry, saints, that was an alert from one of my e-readers. But earlier in that day, he had commanded the disciples to keep watch. But now they had fallen asleep. So why are you asleep? Jesus asked them. Couldn't you stay awake for even one hour and, and get up and pray so you will not fall into temptation? Now, that was in Matthew 26, 40, 41. Minutes later, Judas betrayed Jesus into the hands of his enemies. That was minutes later. That evening, Jesus asked the disciples to do two things. He said, watch and pray. What did the disciples do? They fell asleep. Now, do you think they would have behaved differently if they had known what was about to happen to their Lord and Savior? Now, if they had known what the night would bring, do you think they would have stayed awake? Because when you expect something to happen, it changes the way you live. For example, let's say your doctor tells you that, you know, you have about eight weeks to live. If that happens, you'll probably make major changes in the way you live your life even if you end up living longer than eight weeks. Now, if the disciples really believe the betrayal of Jesus was imminent, they would never have fallen asleep. So do you see now why the second coming prophecies are so important? Why we should keep watch. If you believe Jesus, when he says he could return at any moment, then the impact on your life and my life should be dramatic. It's similar to patients who hears that they have six, eight weeks, two years, a year, 24 hours to live. If you believe Jesus could show up tomorrow, you would live a far different life today. Wouldn't you? That's why I live my life uh, differently today. I uh, have been a Christian and some of you who, who know me, been listening to me for uh, three years, uh, know I was not always a believer, but I've been walking with Christ now for about 25 years. And it took me 15 of those years before I got it right. And before I answered the call to the ministry. 
And once I began to learn the word, to learn Bible truth, I begin to apply it to my life and, and I do live differently, but we, we, I don't want to get off on me. I want to, um, share this message and I hope you take this message seriously. So despite the presence of so many signs, those who believe the second coming is near are often mocked and ridiculed. And I talked about this in the previous series and it's so sad to say that many times that ridicule comes from fellow Christians, Christians who are, if there is such a thing, worldly minded Christians, they really don't know the word. Uh, they, they stretch the truth. They change the truth to fit their little experiences and they bring God down to their experiences rather than bringing themselves up to the true power of God's word. But I ask, what better describes God's work than the study of Bible prophecy or patiently waiting for the second coming? Jesus promised to return and the heart of the gospel is sharing that promise with others. The whole purpose of Bible prophecy, saints, all of it, not some of it, is to give a clear witness to Jesus Christ. And that's written in Revelation 19 verse 10. By some estimates, 25% of the Bible was prophecy when written. So if Bible prophecy isn't important, then you can disregard one quarter of the Bible. The study of Bible prophecy is the study of Jesus. And when you learn about Jesus, you build a more intimate relationship with him. But there's another reason Christians should study the second coming prophecies. Jesus commanded us to. Jesus told his disciples, which includes us. That's why he left all these scriptures for us to read. He said to watch and pray, not just in the garden of Gethsemane, but right up until the day of his glorious return. That's in Mark chapter 13, verses 35 and 36. Now, diligent prayer and watchfulness are critical elements in a Christian life. Now, as I said before, when you watch and pray for the second coming, you live a different life. Now, what does it mean to watch? Now, if we made a list of, of activities we would expect Christians to engage in or Christians to be involved in, watchfulness probably wouldn't even be on the list. In fact, most people wouldn't even think to add it to their list. But Jesus says it's a critical aspect of the believer's life. In fact, Jesus has a lot to say about how you should prepare for his return. Not just you, but me as well. How we as believers in Christ should prepare for his return. So let's look at the following parables that Jesus mentioned to his, his disciples, okay? Now we are going to talk about the 10 bridesmaids. And I mentioned this in a previous series. It's in Matthew chapter 25 verses one through 13. In this parable, Jesus talks about 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now the bridesmaids represent the disciples, the believers, and the bridegroom represents Jesus himself. Now five of those bridesmaids were wise and five of them were foolish. The five wise bridesmaids 
they brought extra oil for their lamps. While the five foolish bridesmaids, they didn't bring any. So when the bridegroom delayed his arrival, okay, because we don't know when he's returning, okay? So this, that's why this parable is so important. When he delayed his arrival, they all fell asleep. But they soon awoke to a shout that the bridegroom was coming. Remember now, the Apostle Paul in scripture says that the skies shall unfold. See, you can't duplicate that. That's how, why I don't know why people falling for these false messiahs. Because man can't duplicate the sky unfolding. And, and there will be a shout, a, a, a loud shout with the voice of an angel. And Christ riding in on a white horse. And it may sound foolish to unbelievers, but if you think about God created the heavens and the earth and he, he created the moon and the stars by just speaking them into existence, this should mean nothing to you. It sounds normal to me. So I want you to think about this again. Remember the bridegroom delayed his arrival. They all fell asleep, but they soon awoke to a shout that the bridegroom was coming. All 10 of the bridesmaids, they gathered their lamps, but the five foolish bridesmaids, they realized their lamps were running out of oil, of, of oil. And remember, we are supposed to be the light of the world now. And they asked the, the wise bridesmaids to give them some of their oil. And just like them, we would probably say the same thing going by your own, you, you, you know, cause you, we all were given the same order to watch. And, and, and so we needed to be prepared for his coming. So the five foolish bridesmaids, they left to go buy some oil. They literally left when the Messiah, the bridegroom, was preparing his entrance to come get his church. Yes, yes. So while they were gone, the bridegroom arrived. The wise five who were ready went with him into the wedding feast and the door was locked behind them. Now, if you don't remember nothing else about this parable, you need to remember this. The door was shut. The door was shut. So when the others returned, we're talking about the foolish bridesmaids. They found the door locked. They pounded on the door and shouted, let us in. But the bridegroom, this is Jesus, but the bridegroom said to them, I don't even know you. Oh, my Lord. It was difficult for me to read this and I knew it was going to be hard for me to share this because so many people are chasing religion. So many people are going in another direction. And when that time comes and they will be left back here, it's going to be too late. That's why I always say at the end of all of my messages that today is the day of salvation Tomorrow is not promised to you because if Christ returns or your life ends before he returns, it's too late for you. You cannot be prayed into heaven. I don't care what religion tells you. You cannot be prayed into heaven. You have to go through the blood bought covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what's the lesson here? We don't have to guess because Jesus tells us what the lesson is. He said for us to keep watch. He says, because I could return at any time. That's in Matthew 25, 13. So if you are wise, you will be prepared to meet Jesus at any time. So prepare yourself now, saints, because you don't know when he will come. 
there is no preceding signs for the rapture. The signs that we talk about that's preceding the second coming, the signs that I shared in this previous series, that's for him coming, stepping foot on earth to set up his kingdom, not the rapture. The rapture, we don't know when it's going to happen. Okay, so we need to be prepared today because we don't know when he's coming. What we do know is that the rapture will take place before the second coming. So if we are seeing all these signs right now preceding the second coming, that means the rapture can happen today. So let's talk about another parable, the parable of the thief in the night. This is in Luke chapter 12, verses 39 and 40. Jesus tells the story of a thief who breaks into a house under the cover of darkness. And he tells the disciples this. If you knew the exact moment when a thief was coming, you would keep watch over your house and not let the thief break in. I want you to think about this. So what's the point of this parable? Keep watch and be ready at all times. Otherwise, Jesus will come when you least expect it. Now, that's also in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. Write down all these scriptures so you can read them. So let's talk about the parable of the master and his servants. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a tough one. That's why it has to be rightly divided. In this parable, Jesus tells us of a man who goes on a long trip and leaves one of his servants in charge of his household. Now this represents Jesus leaving us in charge of his affairs while he goes away for a time, meaning in between his first and second coming. Okay. Now Jesus said, if the master returns and finds the servant acting faithfully, he'll give the servant a reward. But if the servant thinks to himself, my master is leaving for a long time and he spends his time eating, drinking, partying, living with the world. It, look, involving himself in sexual immorality, saying, oh, I'm going to get it right before he comes. He's not coming now. Not using opportunities to share the gospel. Let me tell you something. That disciple, that servant that Jesus is talking about is going to be in trouble because when the master returns unannounced, he will kill the servant. Uh-huh, I know that's powerful. That's in Luke chapter 12, verses 42 through 46. That's why Jesus says we will be blessed if, if, if he finds us watching when he returns. And you can also read Luke 12, 35, 36. Here we see that once again, Jesus commands us to watch. He warns against, you know, conforming to the ways of this world. And I mean, so many people, so many who profess to be Christians are so worldly. They no longer know the difference between good and evil. They no longer know the difference between holy and unholy or right from wrong. They don't. I see it every day and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And they are in church every time the doors open. So uh, my question is, what are you hearing in the church that you go to? What are you hearing in the congregation that you are involved with? Because if you are hearing it and it was, let's, let me say this. If you are hearing the truth and not receiving it, that's not good. But if the congregation that you attend and the pastor is not telling you the truth. He's only telling you guys things that you want to hear. That's not good either. But 
I, I'm, I'm just saying it, the truth is out here. Most people have heard the truth and they are deciding to just live for the world. I'm going to live it up now because I don't, we don't know how long we have left. I've heard people say that we don't know how long we have left on this earth. So I'm going to just live my life to the fullest. But when Jesus said, I, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the fullest. What you think he was saying? He wasn't saying for you to party with the world. He wasn't saying that. So once again, you can find that in, in, in Luke 12, 42, 46. And I know that may have been a bit extreme for you to hear that, that Christ will, you know, kill that servant, take that servant out. Yeah. That's why Jesus says that those that he find being faithful, you know, watching and, and preaching the gospel, he, they will be blessed. So also read Luke 12, 35, 36. Now here we see that once again, Jesus commands us to watch. He warns against conforming to the ways of this crazy world. Saints, you have to remember the world is against God. The world has nothing in common with God because Satan is the ruler of this world. Now he is not the creator of the world. He doesn't have the final say he doesn't have, or he doesn't hold the uh, revelation to the end times. No, Satan doesn't hold that, but he is the ruler of this current evil world. And that's why you see all the evils going on. Now I know somebody had uh, sent me a question about Russia attacking Ukraine. Now that's not biblical, but if we can uh, equate it to, to scripture, we can equate it with wars and rumors of wars. And the only reason, look, I don't care what Putin say. Putin is a liar. The only reason he attacked Ukraine is because Ukraine allied with NATO. Ukraine needed some allies. I mean, the United States is also allied with NATO, but I don't want to stay on that. But uh, Putin was wrong. There's no right to what he did. He was wrong. And he's going to burn in hell along with Trump and all the other wannabe dictators. Okay. Now, I, I, I think it's very important that you know how Christ expects to find us. He wants us to stay spiritually alert. So the day of his return won't catch up us off God saints. Jesus says a faithful servant lives his life expecting his return at any moment. That's in Luke 12, 35 through 38. Now, over and over again, Jesus says that we need to watch. Don't let me find you asleep when I come back without warning. That's in Mark 13 verses 35 through 37. Now, this is a clear commandment, saints. You cannot misunderstand that. But what does it mean for us to watch? It means Jesus can return at any moment. It, look, in a split second. And he will return without warning. The rapture is a signless event. Remember I told you the rapture is not preceded by signs. It could happen at any time. Nothing needs to happen first, but the second coming saints. That's where people get confused. That's a different story. Signs will precede the second coming. And Jesus expects us to recognize those signs. If he didn't, why would he command us to watch? He wouldn't because we would have nothing to look for. But when Jesus says watch, Jesus means more than simply looking for the signs of his return. Now, the writer to the Hebrews, he put it this way. 
He says you should eagerly await the second coming of Jesus. That's in Hebrew 9:28. Now, do we await and watch? What do we think that means? Does it mean that we should just lay around and, and, and staring at the walls, you know, just waiting for Jesus to come back? Do, do, does it mean that we should just climb the nearest hilltop and sit like the Millerites did looking like fools? No, that's not what Jesus was talking about. Instead, Jesus is saying that you should constantly be on guard. You should constantly be mindful of your relationship with him. So it remains strong until he returns. He's telling you and I to be on alert so that, that we don't get spiritually lazy. He's saying you should live every day of your lives as if he could return at any moment. That's what he's saying, saints. That's why it's so important for us to watch and for us to stay prepared. And if we do this, the passion that we have for him would never fade. And when we live our lives with constant expectation that Jesus could return at any moment, it produces at least two things. And those two things will transform our lives as well as the lives of the people around us. So what are those two things? Righteous living and a burning desire to share the gospel. That's what we are leaving out. We are not sharing the gospel enough. So when Jesus says that we need to live our lives holy, Jesus is, is saying for us to watch for him and we'll be blessed. Now, by preparing for his return, we won't be ashamed when he arrives because Jesus knows that like the patient who is given six months to live or eight weeks to live. If you believe he's coming, you will do your best to live a holy lifestyle. That's in Revelation 16, 15. In other words, belief in the nearest of his return is excellent motivation for living a life in harmony with God. Peter reinforces this idea. He says, while waiting for Jesus to return, you should make every effort to live a blameless life in his sight. That's in second Peter three fourteen. So if you believe in the second coming prophecies, as well as the command of Jesus to stay awake and alert, it will literally change your life. According to Paul, the apostle Paul, by looking forward to the second coming, you will live a life of devotion to God a life tempered with self-control and, and right con conduct. That's in Titus 2 verses 11 through 13. The apostle Paul confirmed this in his letter to the Romans when he encouraged the Roman church to wake up and pursue righteous living. Okay. Because it's late and time is running out for us saints. Romans 13, 11. Now I want you to study of the second coming prophecies, all the scriptures that I shared in the previous series and the scriptures I'm sharing with you now, because it fosters patience in us as well. Remember Peter's prophecy. He said in the last days, scoffers will mock and ridicule those who eagerly await the second coming of Christ. That's in second Peter three, um, verses three and four. Now we see these scoffers everywhere today, including in the church. Those are the ones that's going to be left behind. Now we often endure, you know, their ridicule and, and it should strengthen us because certainty in the second coming, it gives you and I the patience and endurance to live by faith. 
Hebrews 10 37. Just as farmers look forward to the spring and summer rain, patiently awaiting for the harvest to ripen, we too will learn to be patient as we look forward to the second coming of our Messiah. You can read about that in James chapter five, verses seven through eight. Now, knowing that the things of this world will pass away, that's why we should not be conformed to this world. This world is going to pass away and those who are living for the world will pass away with the world. You need to understand that. Okay. It only makes sense to live a holy life. Looking forward to his return. That's second Peter three, 11 and 12. Now fulfilled prophecy is a constant reminder of God's awesome power. Saints, the glory of Jesus Christ and the absolute certainty that promises yet fulfilled will come true. Now, what about sharing the gospel? But when you live your life as if Jesus will return at any moment, righteous living isn't the only benefit. Now, when you live this way, you are also compelled to share the gospel because you fully realize the urgency of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with family and friends and, and loved ones, co-workers and classmates. You don't want to see them perish while you go to paradise with, with Christ. For nearly 2000 years, belief in the imminent return of Jesus has fueled this urgency. Today, that urgency is even greater because the signs we see today should set the Christian church on fire. Yes, we should be on fire. They tell us that the day of the second coming is fast approaching. And since the rapture precedes the second coming, that means the day of the rapture is even closer. In our urgency to share the gospel, it's important to know what a critical tool Bible prophecy is. It provides strong evidence that God is the true author of the Bible. In fact, in the early days of the church, Bible prophecy was the primary method for spreading the gospel because they didn't have the New Testament scriptures back then. I want you to just read the New Testament. On the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, 14, 42, Peter gave a, a, a rousing speech in Jerusalem where he stated and um, um, he, he prophesied or let's say he read fulfilled Bible prophecy as evidence that Jesus is the long awaited Messiah. In fact, he told the crowd, you are all witnesses to the fulfillment of the Messiah prophecies in Acts 2.32. Peter's speech worked because according to the Bible, Peter's speech led 3000 people to commit their lives to Jesus that day. Later in the same scriptures, Philip encountered an Ethiopian eunuch, which is some of my favorite scriptures. He was riding in a carriage. The eunuch is reading about the prophet Isaiah in, in 53 verse seven and eight. It's a messianic prophecy. But the Ethiopian eunuch didn't understand what he was reading. So Peter had approached because the Holy Spirit led him there and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I unless someone shows me? Hint, hint. But Philip started to interpret those scriptures for that Ethiopian eunuch. And he explained the good news of Jesus Christ. And the result of Philip explaining the truth, rightly dividing the scriptures to that Ethiopian eunuch 
was that immediately he believed and then he was baptized. That's in Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 40. Read all of that. But Peter and Philip were not alone. Paul routinely used the Messianic prophecies to spread the gospel everywhere he went. Now, I'm getting ready to quote a, a scripture about the Apostle Paul. It's uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3, and I'm going to quote it from the New Living Translation. Okay? The New Living Translation. Now, I'm going to read it. You have the ability to stop pause the tape. And then when you return, we will be on the same page. Beginning at verse two, Acts 17, as was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue service and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, this Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. See, that was what the issue was. They didn't understand that the Christ had to come twice. They didn't understand the suffering servant. They were looking uh, the suffering servant. I'm sorry. They were looking for the king, the ruler that was going to come and put Israel back on top put Jerusalem back on top, but they didn't understand that he had to come first to die for the sins of the world. That's where all the argument came in at. So the, the apostles had to use the old Testament scriptures to show them in the Bible that Jesus was the Messiah and that he had to die first. Okay. And we need to do that today to some people. So I want you to notice the phrase as was Paul's custom. It's clear that this, this wasn't a one-time act of Paul's. Instead, this was Paul's typical method for preaching the gospel. And what was his method? He used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies, and proved in scripture that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, you guys know, preceding this last series, I, um, shared a series about finding Jesus in the scriptures. It was a 20 episode series. And I showed you in the old Testament scriptures that how they were talking about Jesus. I confirmed that they were talking about Jesus. So Paul used this same method earlier in Antioch of Pisidia. There he entered the synagogue and preached that the condemnation and crucifixion of Jesus fulfilled the prophet's words and all the prophecies said about Jesus. That's in Acts 13, 27, 31. So when Paul and Silas visited the synagogue in Berea, the Bible tells us that the people there listened to them. This is in Acts 17 verses 10 through 12. Then they searched the scriptures, which is why I give you scripture for you to read them for, for yourselves. They searched the scriptures day and night to see if what Paul and Silas were telling them was true because they followed the scriptures. Today, you share scripture. People don't give a care about no scriptures because they follow in some other religion that Satan set up. These people searched the scriptures to verify what Paul and Silas were teaching them. And there's only one reason they did that. 
Paul and Silas were teaching that Jesus fulfilled the Messianic prophecies, that Jesus was and is the long awaited Messiah. Now, over and over again, the Bible tells us that Paul testified that Jesus is the Messiah. And y'all, I feel myself talking fast. It comes naturally in me, so I may slow down. That's in Acts 18.5. And Paul himself said, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said what happened. And that's in Acts 26 verse 22. And if you hear me paraphrasing, it's paraphrasing the New Living Translation, okay? Because I basically studied the New Living Translation for this episode. And when making the case for Jesus as the Messiah, Paul asked King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Because they, they claim to know, to know the Old Testament scriptures. So Paul said, do you believe the prophets? That's in Acts 26 verse 27. The Bible then tells us that using the law of Moses and the words of the prophets, Paul tried to persuade them about Jesus by using the scriptures. That's in Acts 28 verses 23 and 24. Now fulfilled Bible prophecy makes a powerful case for Jesus Christ. The Bible says the words of the prophets or a light shining in darkness, or a light shining in dark places. That's in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 19. And the signs we see today are a tool for the spreading of the gospel. Because raising awareness of the signs we see today can make a big difference in the lives of others. It might be the proof some people need in order to believe, saints. So seeing firsthand fulfillment of Bible prophecy in our time is just as compelling today as it was for the crowd on the, the day of Pentecost and the Ethiopian eunuch almost 2,000 years ago. So we live in a world that thinks wisdom is foolishness and foolishness is wisdom. That's in 1 Corinthians 3.18 and verse 19. Now, is it any wonder then that society mocks those who, who look forward to the second coming? Now, if pressed, many of those same scoffers will say Jesus was a good teacher. Muslims, for instance, they always say, oh, yeah, Jesus was a good man. Yet Jesus commanded his disciples to watch for his return. So if he's not coming, is that really the mark of someone who is a good teacher or a good man? Huh? If he, if y'all basically are saying he's a liar, oh yeah, he's a good man. He was a good man. No, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the savior of the world. Jesus was the final prophet to walk this earth. And we can't call John the revelator, the final prophet, because it was Jesus giving him the revelation to write down. So Jesus words is still the final prophecy. We cannot add to it and nor can we take away from it. And that's Bible truth as well. So despite what the critics say, watching for Jesus return is extremely beneficial to us as well as being important. A careful study of the second coming prophecies is important as well. Saints, this is why I shared a whole series with you. These prophecies serve as a wake up call to those who are captive to the temptations of this world. They, you know, they motivate Christians to holy living saints. That's what the scriptures do. They motivate us to continue to live holy lifestyles. They communicate the urgency of salvation to non-believers. Paul made this clear in his letter to Titus when he said you should live in this fallen world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. So as I conclude this, I think it's a very important episode. 
While we look forward to the day when the glory of Jesus is revealed, I want you to read Titus chapter two, verses 12 and 13. Now the second coming prophecies are not hidden from us saints. They are easy to understand for all Christians and non-believers. And given the Bible's perfect track record, when it comes to fulfilled prophecy, you should expect nothing less than the precise fulfillment of all the second coming prophecies. According to the signs, fulfillment of those prophecies is close at hand. And saints, you need to get this. Jesus is returning. So I hope this message has been a blessing to you. Play it for family and friends. Jesus is coming, whether you believe it or not. And for those of you who have not yet accepted the Messiah as your Lord and Savior. I am offering this invitation to you right now. I am not going to uh, tell you to stay on there and wait for a message to, to invite you to accept the Messiah. I'm going to say it now. You need to go to Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 9. Okay, saints? And it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. See, God's salvation plan is not complicated. And then verse 10 says, for with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. See, it's what you believe that leads you into the righteous salvation plan of God, which is his son, Jesus Christ. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11 says, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So saints, all you have to say is father God. I read in your word that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, that I will be saved. And I am confessing that right now that Jesus is your son. That's what makes him Lord people. And I believe in my heart that he is seated at your right hand. So I know from that confession, you raised him from the dead. And saints, let me tell you something. It's just that simple. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to do no backflips. You are saved. And all I ask you to do is join a faith-based teaching church. You can't grow unless you attend a church that's teaching you Bible truth, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man, not the word of your denomination. It's, it comes by hearing by the word of God and the word of God is written in the Holy Bible. Let me tell you, these scriptures are alive. It changed me. If you knew how I used to be 30 years ago, my Lord, you would know I had to encounter Jesus. I had to have encountered the savior, the risen savior. So saints, I'm going to take two weeks off. Now, with that said, I will be sharing some messages, you know, some previous messages, uh, maybe some of my older message, uh, messages, or maybe some from my uh, brother in Christ, Fred Price Jr. Because I have been listening to um, some of his, his new messages and, and I'm in awe of him. I'm telling you, he's an excellent teacher. And, um, I want you guys to think about what I said, play this tape for family and friends, especially those that are not saved. Now, God is not telling us to walk around like step, step foot wives. We can live our lives, but we should never, ever, ever be conformed to this world. We have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. 
and we renew our mind with the word of God. That's the only way we can do it. So until next time, saints, be safe. Look, I love you. I know God loves you. That's why I love you. And uh, peace out. I hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamala D. That is at dollar sign capital D lowercase r capital C lowercase a m a l e capital D and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out.